Welcome to Views from the North, a Canadian rates and macro podcast. This week, I'm joined by Darren Campbell, BMO's head of FIC Investor Sales. Today's episode is titled Carnage in Canada. I'm Ben Reitzis, and welcome to Views from the North. Each episode, I will be joined by members of BMO's FIC Sales and Trading Desk to bring you perspectives on the Canadian rates market and the macro economy. We strive to keep this show as interactive as possible by responding directly to questions submitted by our listeners and clients. We value your feedback, so please don't hesitate to reach out with any topics you'd like to hear about. I can be found on Bloomberg or via email at benjamin.reitzes at bmo.com. That's benjamin.reitzes at bmo.com. Your input is valued and greatly appreciated. The views expressed here are those of the participants and not those of BMO Capital Markets, its affiliates, or subsidiaries. Darren, welcome to the show. For those who don't know Mr. Darren Campbell, uh, he is the uh, head of FIC Investor Sales. He spent 10 years in London before coming back here uh, about three years ago. He did a little stint in Hong Kong as well. So he's got good international experience and, and uh, solid domestic contacts, and, and he's always a, a wealth of knowledge, and uh, clients always enjoy speaking to him. So Darren, welcome to the show. Thank you very much for the invite. Looking forward to it. All right. Let's uh, let's get right to it. So uh, I think I think we should start with the Bank of Canada, since they caused some, some serious problems uh, <laughs> last week, to say the least. And uh, I'll do a quick synopsis. Uh, so uh, heading into the bank, I think expectations were that they, they really couldn't be any more hawkish. Then what was priced and, and the risk was that they'd be the other way. And clearly that was dead wrong. Uh, and, and given the dislocations in Canada over the past number of months and really number of weeks in particular, especially in the front end, uh, that really caused a, a lot of carnage, to say the absolute least. And, and uh, just look at a chart of Canada to your yields and you'll know exactly what we're talking about. Huge increases in yields, uh, the, the biggest in decades, uh, biggest one-day increase in two-year yields in decades. And, and so that caused a lot of uh, pain in the market and among market participants. And and it just seems as though the, the bank either didn't care about markets or was just way more concerned about inflation than, for example, the Fed, who we heard from today. And, and we'll get to that in a minute. But from, from my perspective, I think it's, it's really just the Bank of Canada telling the public that they will control inflation. They are cognizant of where inflation is. Their target is 2%. They know that. They're telling the public not to get too worried. And, and if you pay attention to the media and read the news lately over the past kind of few weeks, the volume on inflation rates has definitely picked up. And so that, I think, is what they were trying to get ahead of. And that's why they came out and sounded more hawkish. Now, whether that means earlier rate hikes or not, uh, I think depends as much on the media and that narrative in general and how the volume kind of goes up or down over the next few months. We'll see. We will get a number of CPI prints between now and then, so that that could definitely move the needle. But for now, BMO's call, our base case, is for a, a July 2022 hike. I think the risk is clearly earlier. And uh, while the market's pressing in nearly six rate hikes by January 2023, uh, I'm I'm reluctant to fade that at this point, even though our base case call is is uh, clearly a, a uh, less aggressive Bank of Canada. Darren, why don't you tell us about how clients interpreted last week's Bank of Canada statement and NPR and all that, and, and uh, maybe some of the broader themes you saw in the flows, or was it all just stop-ins? I think the the interpretation was fairly u- unanimous. I mean, it was, it, it, was, it was clear what the 
what the bank was trying to do. They wanted to send a message. There was something that they are looking at or saw that they didn't like. Um, and, you know, whether or not they got a little overexcited and overreacted in a way, uh, who knows? Who knows what went on b- behind the scenes, right? But the reality is there was something that, uh, that, that they were seeing. They felt the need to send a very clear message to just calm the nerves of the, of the general public. And, and so they uh, did that. And I don't think that they necessarily took into consideration some of the vulnerabilities that may have existed in the market at that point in time, right? And, you know, it was a bit of a bit of a perfect storm. Uh, you know, you had liquidity already uh, impaired, just given the, the, the time of year, you, you were looking at the Canadian bank year end on October 31. Uh, so liquidity was already was already suffering. I think that, um, you know, that that trade of, of, of long Canada, US of, of, of people being long in front of Canada, it just had already had already created Quite a lot of pain, so there were already a number of it, a number of, of accounts that were underwater, or, you know, in, in sort of stress positions. And then when that came out, it just, you know, it it was uh, it, it was it was um, carnage, carnage. So um, so yeah, I mean, now we're in a situation where you know that's happened. It sort of felt, you know, in light of in light of what we'd he- heard from the from the from the Bank of England and. You know the way things were drifting with with some other central banks. You just wondered whether or not there was actually, you know, almost a bit of a, a, a coordinated sort of thinking ar- around this and getting in front of it uh, to just sort of calm calm nerves around. You know, was infl- you know is is inflation really transitory or is this you know is is this is this a uh, an environment that's you know really going to be persistent and and stress households longer term, but. After the Fed today, and after we've heard from from the RBA, like clearly that is not the case. Um, Fed very very relaxed in their stance, um, and have left themselves max flexibility. You still have a Bank of Canada that is, as far as we know, um, inclined to you know be perceived as proactive, and as far as keeping keeping expectation under control. So, you know, what does that mean? Does that mean that Canada? Can actually, you know, continue to underperform perhaps a little bit, a little bit more, you know, as that narrative plays out potentially. I mean, I think that I think position, you know, given the washouts, positioning now is a lot cleaner. But you know, that narrative can potentially um, persist a little bit further. In in which case, uh, we, you know, it probably sets up for for a very, you know, optimal entry into into a trade that should do very well we think over over the over the medium term, you know, to be long to be long to take advantage of that aggressive pricing in in Canada, right? And uh, and position for, you know, perhaps the, the the Fed needing to be a little bit more aggressive than the market's currently pricing terminal rate terminal rate seems very low in, in the US and so that's that's the space to watch. We think you know whether or not now is the time to to get in and just and just go for it again and be long Canada versus the U.S. Uh, given what we've seen over the last uh, week, um, or you know wait and see whether or not th- that narrative you know plays out a little bit further, uh, and maybe whether or not there is actually uh, a little bit more on the positional side that needs to get cleaned up. So that's what that's what I think in light of what we know now is is the area to be focused on. You bring up a couple of interesting points. So one, I'd, I'd highlight that the, the terminal rate. So just kind of like looking three to five years out, because realistically, the cycle is not lasting longer than that, likely. Uh, we have the Bank of Canada priced close to 2%. And that's what that's what's priced into to markets right now. 
Uh, and if you look at U.S. dollar OIS, it's it's something in the 150 to 175 range. So Canada kind of 30 to 40 plus basis points above the U.S. from a terminal rate perspective. And go back to the last cycle, the Bank of Canada overnight rates peaked at 175. And the U.S., it was it was two and a quarter to two and a half. And like that, that's a pretty material advantage to the U.S.'s favor. And thinking that's going to flip this cycle seems like a bit of a stretch to me. I'm not sure fundamentally why that would be the case. I guess we'll have to wait and see. But that's currently what the market's pricing now. So I very much like looking for a higher terminal rate to be priced into the U.S. It's just especially if you consider that inflation might be a little more persistent, maybe last a little bit longer. The risk is the risks are skewed toward a higher rate at the end of the day. Uh, in the U.S., so that that maybe that takes time to get priced in, uh, as as the Fed is is clearly very patient here, and, and they've shown no uh, inkling of being overly concerned about inflation just yet. Uh, but that itself begs a different question: like Bank of England yelling from the rooftops, Bank of Canada doing more or less the same, both about inflation and, and fears of that. Uh, the RBA pulling back on their stimulus to some extent, uh, even if even if it, it was followed by some dovishness still. Uh, they, they, they pull back a little bit quickly. You have rate hikes elsewhere in the world. Does the Fed know something that everyone else doesn't? Or, or is the Fed just trying to roll the dice here and hope that they're right? And then everyone else is going to be overly aggressive and they'll, they'll be wrong at the end of the day. I guess only you know, t- t- time will tell. Absolutely. I mean, they are clearly inclined to, to wait for what they feel is going to be more relevant data, you know, and we, which I think was the way we were thinking about the Bank of Canada. I think we thought that they were going to wait and get a sense of, of, of what the data was going to look like early or early next year before they, you know, really f- started to, to get concerned about whether or not this was, in fact, sort of, you know, transitory in nature or not. So, um yeah. So, do I think that the, that the that the Fed knows something that that we don't know? No, I think that they, as we know, they have they have a dual mandate. Um, they're trying to balance that out as best they can. Um, you know, it's it seems it seems logical um, based on where some of the inflationary pressures are presenting to wait and see. Uh, you know, w- whether or not that that does start to subside. Um, so, I think. No, and Powell was very honest about that. I think today they they absolutely don't know. Um, but based on the information that they have right now, they're clearly ready to, to obviously you know move forward on the taper front, but not commit at all to the to the timeline around around when they need to start to to tighten. So I, I think in that context, you know, it's it's got to calm down the thinking a little bit at the BOC. I would think, you know, I I, I just think that it's. It, that's going to help set the tone, I think, um, in certainly in the U.S., but just just generally, right? And and I think that if anything, the next time we hear from the bank, a I think that the the markets and and you know the households now understand what the what the point of that was. Like that was done very tactically to send that message. Does it does it actually mean that they intend on hiking that aggressively, as in what's currently priced in the market? It's hard to believe, right? Um, I mean, it really is hard to believe that that they can that they can be that aggressive. But again, it's sort of relative to the U.S. So I think that the trade ultimately is a Canada-U.S. position still, right? Um, where you know you, you do need to be protected for yeah growth to absolutely 
start to rip. I mean, if, if growth starts to take off, you're going to be feeling it across North America and, 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 and you need to be protected for that. And, and, if, and if inflation actually is not as transitory as, as, as you know, <laughs> we've, we've been maybe led, led to believe up till now, then you're, you're protected, right? But I think we won't really have a clear picture on that until some of the data early next year. So now it's just sort of picking opt- optimal entry points. Um, you know, we spent a lot of time looking at the long end. Canada long end looks very cheap versus, versus the US, but, you know, we think that, you know, there's, there's a number of factors behind that. There is, we think a lot of that had to do with some of the some of the unwinds in very crowded curve steepening in, in the U.S., you know, that, that really helped to, to, to drive it. Um, obviously, a lot of supply concentrated in the in the long end of Canada, you know, but it is a tough trade, right? Like it, it, it is tough to try and to try and express the view um, in the long end. Our bias is to, you know, is to be long Canada versus the U.S. in the long end. We think that the, the fundamentals support it. You know, the potential for, for growth and inflation is is greater in the U.S., we think, long term than, than in Canada. So, but but it is going to be the, the, the way that the market's interpret, interpreting uh, the, the central bank stance, you know, whether or not you look at the Fed today and sort of say, you know what, the, the, the patience now ultimately could lead to them needing to be more aggressive, which is ultimately, you know, more of a policy error, um, quote unquote, um, leading to that kind of, you know, flattening in the curve. Who knows? Right. And so it's just it's a tougher it's definitely a tougher trade, whereas the, the, the front end, the front end makes sense. But, you know, to be long, long, you know, Canada twos versus short, something a little further out the curve in the U.S., call it three three year sector to express the view we think we think makes a lot of sense we think that this is still a bit of a steepener call it two twos fives and and so that trade takes advantage of both both those themes so i think you might get actually in a good entry opportunity for that kind of trade in the next two weeks call it uh canadian cpi will be out in let's call it two weeks probably don't have the calendar in front of me but it's got to be in that neighborhood uh i'm getting a, a pretty chunky number for the month over month again again that's going to cause narrative issues for the bank uh, I, I think pretty pretty significant ones again because the, the headlines are going to be inflation continues to roar in Canada uh, some stuff like that so on and so forth is the bank Canada behind behind the curve uh, you'll hear all that kind of stuff and, and you'll hear people stomp their feet about that I'm, I'm pretty sure so that might be enough to maybe price in even a bit more and get another kind of leg higher in the front end of Canadian rates. And, and maybe that gives you an, uh, an entry opportunity uh, because uh, you, like it, it is still hard for me to see them going six times in the next 14 months, even in the most kind of aggressive inflation scenario. So I can see a world in which they go in January. I, I wouldn't rule that out personally uh, as, as much as, as maybe the Fed is calm. Uh, if you get a couple, two or three really strong inflation prints, and we're already going to get one almost certainly in October, I could see the bank going a couple times, maybe maybe three times in a row or twice in a row, back to back meetings or back to back to back meetings, depending on what the Fed's doing and where the Canadian dollar is, just to kind of get a few rate hikes under their belt and then and then and then take a lay of the land. So see see how see how the market reacts, see how the housing market reacts, see how the economy reacts. Maybe wait three months, six months, nine months, twelve months until the next move. Uh, but it gives them a bit more breathing room, and it also gives them credibility on the inflation front that they're going to do what it takes to really push back on inflation. Uh, and, and, and that I think that might be, argue, like from my perspective, maybe that's the more likely scenario. Uh, it, it's hard to see the near-term inflation pressures 
pulling back. And and so that just might force the bank's hand unless they kind of all of a sudden wake up and they sound more like the Fed because maybe the Fed's right and they're wrong. I don't know. I, I got I have I have some trouble believing that. So maybe a little bit of patience is needed on on those Canada US trades. But if CPI provides a good entry opportunity, I think that that's well worth it. We're already pretty stretched. Uh, so if you kind of go a little further out the curve again, that that to your point, that could still work out for you. But uh, you again, you might even get a better entry opportunity in, in January, uh, assuming the Fed stays stays patient. But the, the risk there is the same as it is here, that inflation stays stronger for a few more months and worries pick up a little bit. And then maybe the Fed is forced to taper a bit faster, which then front loads a bit a few more rate hikes than where we are now. And that's I would say that that I suspect that's kind of where we're headed personally. Demand is is as big of a problem as supply. I'm happy to show anybody who wants charts on that. That would be wonderful. Just reach out to me and ask. Goods demand is through the roof, and that's where the inflation's coming. Until that dampens, uh, it's hard to see inflation really pulling back because the supply side's just it's arguably getting worse. Uh, if you read some of the commentary out of the ISM, and growth is still really strong, so uh, the only way to slow this thing down is probably on the demand side. Uh, with respect to the long end, uh, Darren mentioned Canada, U.S. thirty-year sector. I mean, we're we're I'm, I'm in agreement there, but that that's a tough trade. Uh, a former colleague used to call that the widowmaker because uh, he he traded for a while and he moved to sales, uh, and and it it was a difficult trade for him when he was a trader and and when he tried to sell it as a salesman, uh, and so it, it it is certainly a challenging area. Fundamentally, Canada should be. Uh, richer than the U.S. I mean, we should probably trade 25 to 50 basis points through. Uh, we're, we're more or less even yield right now. I, I think it's it's tough. It's probably something to keep on your radar. And and if you get any periods of notable weakness in Canada, then you kind of start to dip into that and and use it as a long-term trade and maybe use Provis uh, to improve the carry profile. And that, that can just be something you put in your back pocket. Yeah. I mean, I think the debate is around the supply, largely around the supply demand imbalance. Um, you know, Canada has, you know, always had a, a bit of a shortage of long, long supply. Um, and that's, that's always helped to keep the long end of Canada, uh, well supported and, um, and, and richer versus the U S and we've had a lot of supply focused in the long end over the past year. And that has, there's no doubt that that's what's helped to, to, to drive that spread to where it is today as well. Now we've peaked, uh, as far as, you know, uh, from long supply from the from the provinces, expecting that to be coming down uh, materially, especially as we get some um, some improved budgets over the over the near term horizon, and uh, I think that that is going to you know that in theory should help to be supporting that you know Canadian performance from these levels. But again, it is uh, you know probably a debate around whether or not it's it's now balanced from that perspective, or whether or not there's perhaps a bit of an oversupply even in Canada. So I think, I think that that's, I think that's, uh, you know, likely, likely to be a key determinant, but also it's just the way that these trades are, these, these curves are going to be trading on the back of central bank expectation, you know, whether or not that, which central bank is more at risk potentially of, of, uh, of, of a policy error or, um, which is, is, is likely to be, um, you know, just sort of a, a bit, uh, a bit more aggressive first. Is it also possible that we price in more inflation risk premium? Maybe more like if, if, if the Fed is more tolerant of inflation, as they seem to be, even though he said today that, that current inflation levels are in no way consistent with price stability. Uh, but is it possible that the U.S. says, well, if you're going to let inflation run at four or five percent and not do anything about it, 
we're going to want a little bit more rich premium in the long end. Whereas in Canada, if the bank's going to be aggressive about it, then maybe we don't need that premium. And that, I mean, that kind of comes back to the fundamental argument that like inflation generally runs hotter in the U.S. than in Canada. Growth generally is stronger in the U.S. than Canada, potential growth. And that is kind of in, in the, the theoretical determinants of long-term rates, which clearly don't always hold. Uh, but that's that's the thesis or part of the thesis, at least behind that, uh, that, that Canada-U.S. trade. I guess we'll wait and see how that how that evolves uh, over, over time here. Let's come back to another theme. Uh, we, we, we use the word carnage a number of times uh, and, and some a place where you can really see where the uh, where the stress is in the Canadian market is, is in swap spreads. Uh, you look at two year, three year, four year swap spreads. Uh, you can see they're super elevated. They're off the highs, but they're still uh, crazy high. And, and that really just reflects the, the dislocations that are still present in the Canadian market. Uh, and arguably, I think that that's probably a reason why you'd want to wait to put on any of those those Canada-US front-end trades. You don't really want to receive Canada yet, given where those spreads are, because it just reflects that the market still is pretty stressed. And, and uh, as long as that's the case, you could get outsized moves from, I mean, not not big flows necessarily. Uh, and that, that really could, could could run you over and run you right through your stop pretty quickly. So a big reason to, uh, to, to be a little bit more cautious. But it also, those swap spreads highlight other opportunities. Uh, Darren, you want to give us a little more on that? Yes, agreed. There is, <laughs> there's a lot of stress and, and the markets appear broken. This is a new, we've started a new Canadian uh, bank fiscal year. Um, you know, I feel that with the Fed now behind us, that uh, there is a, Bit more balance coming back into the market. I mean, we've seen a little bit more two-way in, in front-end cash. We've seen uh, you know a few more accounts uh, willing to step in and and and, and receive the front-end, and I and you have to assume that that's going to uh, probably persist. Uh, like I said, now with the Fed out of the way and 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 our and a clear understanding of where they of where they sit, I think that it kind of. It, it, it opens the door for, for for more receive flow, which was clearly lacking. Well, well, we get the Bank of England. So for full disclosure, it's it's Wednesday afternoon, so we're just post Fed. But we get the Bank Sorry. of England tomorrow. If they hike, it's back. Carnage is back in Canada for sure. Agreed. I think that I think that Canada, in many ways, is 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 probably is probably going to get looked at more in the context of the behavior of of, of the Fed than 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 the Bank of England. I. I Personally, but you know, I think that uh, I think that you're right. Yes, the, the Bank of England could set us back, um, but I do think that I don't know. I, I think that I think that in light of what we learned today, that like I said, I think that things are a little bit more balanced, and uh, and and we could uh, we we could start to stabilize a little bit. So what anyway? What what that's done is it's created uh, just some opportunities. I think to be you know. Um, where front end, you know, front end swap spreads have blown out. It's created an opportunity uh, for any asset swap type accounts to be to be rolling out uh, further up the curve. I mean, I think that that's that's the clearest opportunity. Um, in fairness, we've we we we've expected to see more of that, and and now with this this event risk, uh, you know, or certainly once the Bank of England's passed, that once that the event risk is is out of the way, that we're going to be seeing more of that activity. Uh, you know, you look at you look at any chart, and it looks like you know there's probably seven or eight basis points of of, of alpha in that in that type of position rolling out from you know the two two three year sector out to the five to seven year sector part of the curve. On, so I'd I'd say that. I mean, I think that. Um, you know, other things that we're looking at, it seems like as I mentioned the the the, the provincial budgets. It seems like uh, there's going to be a pretty pretty positive narrative. Um, spreads are tight, but hard to see. Uh, you know, provincial spreads giving up 
giving up too much ground. They look they look very rich versus uh, CMBs, for example. But you know, um, to be to be going the other way on that trade, I think you really do need to think that there's going to be uh, you know the credit's going to be coming under under a lot of pressure and risk assets under pressure on the back of a more aggressive uh, you know more aggressive Fed. And I just don't know if we've 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 got that message today at all, right? So it just seems like risk assets can remain supported for for a while longer, and um, you know should be very supportive for the provincial market. I agree. For now, uh, I think the risk is probably that the Fed changes their tone, but uh, we're not there yet, and we're, we're probably at least a, a a couple meetings away from that, my guess, which would put us into uh, early 2022. Looks like that's all the time we have uh, for today, Darren. Thanks very much for joining me. I very much look forward to uh, dragging you into this room again for another episode uh, some point in the next uh, few weeks or months. Uh, ben, thanks very much for having me. Enjoyed that and do look forward to to join again in the future. Um, you know, I'd say that uh, despite a very difficult last week and, 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 and October really, you know, one silver lining in all this is that the last few weeks have started to bring things back to normal a little bit. We've been seeing a lot more clients face to face, getting on the road and seeing people, and it's just been it's just been fantastic to reconnect. Uh, conversations been been very interesting, and we and we do expect uh, that to continue, um, and and look forward to connecting with as as many of of our, of our listeners as we can going forward. So thank you again for the invite. Thanks again, Darren. Thanks for listening to Views from the North, a Canadian rates and macro podcast. I hope you'll join me again for another episode. This podcast has been prepared with the assistance of employees of Bank of Montreal, BMO Nesbitt Burns Incorporated, and BMO Capital Markets Corporation. Together, BMO, who are involved in fixed income and foreign exchange sales and marketing efforts. Accordingly, it should be considered to be a product of the fixed income and foreign exchange businesses generally, and not a research report that reflects the views of disinterested research analysts. Notwithstanding the foregoing, this podcast should not be construed as an offer or the solicitation of an offer to sell or to buy or subscribe for any particular product or services, including, without limitation, any commodities, securities, or other financial instruments. We are not soliciting any specific action based on this podcast. It is for the general information of our clients. It does not constitute a recommendation or a suggestion that any investment or strategy referenced herein may be suitable for you. It does not take into account the particular investment objectives, financial conditions, or needs of individual clients. Nothing in this podcast constitutes investment, legal, accounting, or tax advice, or a representation that any investment or strategy is suitable or appropriate to your unique circumstances, or otherwise constitutes an opinion or a recommendation to you. BMO is not providing advice regarding the value or advisability of trading in commodity interests, including futures contracts and commodity options, or any other activity which would cause BMO or any of its affiliates to be considered a commodity trading advisor under the U.S. Commodity Exchange Act. BMO is not undertaking to act as a swap advisor to you or in your best interests in you, to the extent applicable, will rely solely on advice from your qualified independent representative in making hedging or trading decisions. This podcast is not to be relied upon in substitution for the exercise of independent judgment. You should conduct your own independent analysis of the matters referred to herein, together with your qualified independent representative, if applicable. BMO assumes no responsibility for verification of the information in this podcast. No representation or warranty is made as to the accuracy or completeness of such information, and BMO accepts no liability whatsoever for any loss arising from any use of or reliance on this podcast. BMO assumes no obligation to correct or update this podcast. This podcast does not contain all information that may be required to evaluate any transaction or matter, and information may be available to BMO and or its affiliates that is not reflected herein. BMO and its affiliates may have positions, long or short, and affect transactions or make markets in securities mentioned herein, or provide advice or loans to, or participate in the underwriting or restructuring of the obligations of, issuers and companies mentioned herein. 
Moreover, BMO's trading desks may have acted on the basis of the information in this podcast. For further information, please go to bmocm.com slash macrohorizons slash legal.